Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Nearly half the population of Northumberland County are seniors. That means there are a lot of organizations and people dedicated to caring for the elderly whether it is Northumberland Community Care, or Ed's Hospice, or Meals on Wheels, there are numerous groups that help. Then there are the family members, spouses, sons, daughters, brothers, and sisters. Now, take another moment and think about all those people who look after those with physical and mental challenges. These are the people who are faced with the massive task of caring for those individuals. They do it in the hopes of giving them a quality of life that they would not otherwise receive. This is a lot of people. In fact, one in four Canadians is a caregiver. The first interview on today's show is about an annual award recognizing these people. It is called Canada Cares. You will hear about this amazing award. It honors hardworking individuals and groups who dedicate themselves to caring for seniors and those with physical and mental challenges. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Carolyn Tapp McDougall, Executive Director of the Canadian Abilities Foundation and the founder of Canada Cares Awards. I also have with me Ashley Bowman, Marketing Director for the Canada Cares Awards. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Caroline, let's start with you. How about we start with the basics? What is the Canada Care Awards? Canada Cares Awards are a program of the Canadian Abilities Foundation, um, and really what they are, um, they're the only national awards that recognize both family caregivers and care professionals um, for the amazing work that they do. And we recognize individuals um, and we're looking for people who really have gone the extra mile. <laughs> There's lots of them, believe me, um, especially after the pandemic. So it's it's really a growing program, and this is a I think this is our tenth year actually that we've uh, we've done this across the country. Who can enter the awards? Well, anyone actually. So what happens is when you look at the nominations, they come from all sorts of people. So let's look at the professionals first. Obviously, it comes from colleagues or employers who recognized how amazing someone is. Um, it can be a long-term care facility, a hospital with discharge planners or nurses um, or people who've done an amazing job in the facility or out in the community, because a lot of people now are working in home care or providing support to people who are living independently or living as family units, but need that little bit of extra help. And then from a family perspective, wow, <laughs> it's everybody from a parent who's caring for a young child with a disability or a special need um, or some kind of a learning challenge, um, all the way 
to people who are looking after siblings or looking after aging relatives or neighbors even. Can you describe your process of choosing those who sure. get the awards? So what we do is we try to narrow it down to about 200 applications that go to our awards committee. Okay, so some people will um, just send in something simple that says, you know, I really love my mom and she's looked after my brother for five years. That doesn't really make it through to the next level because we don't have enough information. So we actually have people who will take, we sort of divide the applications. And then when some are good, and we think there's a little bit more merit there, we actually call and follow up and try to enrich that application because we realize not everybody is in the business of filling in applications, however, however simple they are. So if we see something, you know, we go we go fishing, so to speak. But um, it's a process. And what happens is then we narrow them down. We're looking across Canada. So we're hoping to find people in each province and so far in territory. And so far we have every year. Um, now we do marketing in each group. I mean, that's part of what Ashley's uh, helping us with. Um, but yes, we've had them from Yukon, Northwest Territories, the East Coast, West Coast, Quebec. Um, so it's fabulous. Um, and it's everything that you can possibly imagine that, that, you know, people will tell us their stories. Can you give us some examples then of the people who have won it previously? Yes, certainly. Um, now, there's two parts to the awards. One part is um, a merit award that basically says, you're amazing, we want to recognize you and thank you for all that we do. And then there's another piece where there's a $10,000 award attached to it. So in years past, what we've done is we've separated the two. So we've said, okay, these are the awards where we feel that we can make a contribution to that family's life. And these are for family caregivers. And so sometimes they get the full $10,000 or more. Sometimes they get a portion of it. We'll divide it up because the need may not be a $10,000 need. Um, and so some examples, for instance, um, there was a family that had adopted three young children. It was it was two women um, and the they had lost their baby. And in that process, they met another young baby who needed help and they adopted him. And then they adopted his sister and brother. And so we bought them a van because they suddenly had this instant family and they were both still working, but it was still a bit of a stretch to buy the van. So we did that. Um, another situation, we bought a generator for a family where um, the gentleman had breathing challenges. So he was on oxygen. Every time the power went out, he lived on the East Coast. His poor wife had to drive him to the local community center, hoping that there was power there. Then what happened was that if there was no power, she had to go to the next place. So her husband's life was literally in her hands on this portable oxygen machine. So we actually managed to put in a generator. And that was difficult because they lived in a very windy kind of cliffy place. So it was a bit of a challenge. In this case, what happens is also we go out to the community and we get donations as well from the suppliers and people that can help us. So Motion Specialties, for instance, helped us with a, um, a large change table that was sort of industrial or hospital size for a family that had, I believe it was three girls, and they had a genetic condition where they were unable to walk. And so the parents were changing them on the living room floor. 
they couldn't afford not only the change table, but to make a space large enough for this thing. So again, we helped out with that. So it's all kinds of things from ramps to re this year we funded respite care for a family where the little girl was going blind. The husband had, had MS and the mother wanted um, to go to the CNIB in order to learn Braille for when her daughter couldn't see anymore. Incredible, right? How did you start this and when did you start it? About 10 years ago. And it's a local Northumberland story, actually. So my mother was in the Golden Plow. Um, so my father um, passed away in the Co or in the Port Hope Hospital. He had ALS. And shortly thereafter, my mom had a serious stroke and uh, we couldn't care for her at home. She had aphasia and she needed a wheelchair, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a 10 year journey at the Golden Plow. And I lived in Toronto at the time and I would drive back and forth and back and forth. So for me, I was raising three children. I run my own business. I was running the charity. I was, you know, it was crazy, absolutely crazy. And when my mom passed in the Coburg Hospital, I was literally driving back to Toronto and I got the idea to create Canada Cares. And it was all the people who had helped me professionally and also a need to recognize family caregivers. And that was before, for instance, Mr. Flaherty um, introduced the, you know, the holiday leave or the, the leave for family caregivers and a lot of companies recognized it. So the Canadian Abilities Foundation, who is has actually absorbed um, Canada Cares, which was a good thing, um, has been very instrumental in pushing for those kinds of rights and those kinds of things to happen. So we were at the forefront and we still are of family caregiving in Canada and recognizing what needs to be done. So it came from my mom, Margaret. Ashley, how, how did you become involved with Canada Cares Award? Um, I just got hired on recently and I was excited to become the marketing director of this because it's such a great, um, you know, award of recognition and um, just the fact that caregiving is so important and I think is going to become an even bigger um, issue, or especially around COVID. So when I got the job, I was very excited to work with the Canadian Abilities Foundation, especially because of my own like, advocacy work regarding um you know, people with disabilities and being a, dis a local disability advocate, which is very important for me. So, um, yeah, so I've been doing the marketing, which involves like contacting organizations that I think would be interested in this type of awards. I've contacted various local um, agencies, predominantly um, think places like the Palisades and like the Coburg Retirement Residence. Um, I've also contacted some local caregiving groups, um, not necessarily in Northumberland. Some of them are, you know, in the four counties or beyond, like in Quinty. So yeah, it's just like really important. And I like, I just like the awards and what it stands for and the fact that it does help families um, who are caregiving or but also in need. Why do you think, Ashley, people in Northumberland should get involved? I think it's important one, like from just a legacy standpoint, like the reason these awards were started was again, just like the wonderful story that Caroline had uh, shared. And the fact that um, it would be nice to have some local recognition as well. 
and learning the stories within our area about caring, um, I think is really important. I think it's important for people in this area to know what is happening and that there's probably a multitude of people in this area that um, are experiencing like caregiving or providing care or receiving care. And I just think that's um, very important for people to know. Caroline, your press release says 8 million Canadians care for someone with a serious illness, a disability or frailty. Yes. Can you give us a picture of who these people are and the specific types of people they look after? Mm -hmm. So it's one in four Canadians now. And so the research shows us that it's often um, a woman. More men are getting involved now, but often it's a woman, um, 45 and up. And again, it depends who they're caring for, um, because if it's a mom caring for a child, it's a different thing than caring for an elder. But it seems that that's kind of the sandwich generation that we've all heard many times. But now there's a new phrase that's called the Panini generation. I don't know if you've heard about it, but that's my kids. So, for instance, you know, the kids are of us are now getting involved, helping with their grandparents, helping with their parents. Helping. So it's sort of moved down to the next generation. So if you look at it, these are people who are working often at the prime of their careers or kind of on the way up to building their, you know, their reputation, their skills, their their, um, you know, they're paying mortgages. They're doing all these things that you do in that part of life. And all of a sudden, of course, they've got this situation where they're caring for someone. And I think what's interesting about it is that it's multifaceted because it's everything from financial support that a lot of people need. Um, and we can look at the statistics and it says that most people actually say that they're making a significant financial contribution, whether it's paying for gas to drive back and forth to mom and dad, whether it's bringing meals, whether it's missed time off work. Um, so there's a financial piece. There's also a mental health piece. I remember like 10 years of caring for my mom. She was constantly on my mind, you know, and it always, you know, okay, how can I get there? How can I do this? To the time again, now living in, in Coburg, and I've moved the foundation to Coburg, actually, which is an interesting uh, sort of turn of events. But um, you know, it was an hour's drive and my kids were in school. So I'm sort of juggling and then my business. So that's the kind of people and you're, it's stressful. It's really stressful because it's often, I hate to say this, but it's a downhill battle. You know, you get something stabilized and then something else happens. You know, I mean, my mom was, when she had her stroke, she was 75 and when she passed, she was 86. And so that was 10 years of her not being able to talk, being able to only wheel her wheelchair with one arm, um, not being particularly happy about being in the plow, um, you know, and all those things that go with isolation and not eating well. And then, you know, we take her to the hospital and they'd leave her lying in the hospital because, you know, there was a lineup and then I'd have to come and get her back. And it was just incredible. So it's stressful. It's time consuming. It's full of love and care and compassion because this is a person that you care about. And the same thing with children. And I mean, a lot of families have gone through this kind of thing when someone got COVID. You know, for a lot of people, obviously, there, there was a recovery, but it was pretty scary. You know, and a lot of people have long-term effects. So when you see someone sort of go down like that suddenly, you know, 
what, what do you do? You have to learn how to cope. You have to learn how to kind of change your routines, change your program. So it's not an easy task. And for some people, it goes on and on and on because they can have a child, but they can, have got four or six sets of parents, depending on what the family configuration is. So, you know, some people are kind of chronic caregivers. Do you think it is also a commentary, though, on uh, our society and the uh the uh, services and, and programs and institutions that are meant to help us look after the elderly or those who are facing physical or mental challenges. What sort of critique do you bring to when you look at the system and you look at the pressures and all the things you just described uh, that people, individuals have to face? You know, if you look at various cultures, and obviously Canada is very multicultural, there's quite a difference. Because I was looking at some research yesterday, and it sort of talked about, you know, certain families and certain groups actually have their elders with them, you know, or they live in more congregate communities where, you know, they'll they'll buy houses on the same street, or they share dwellings, or they, so I think it really depends um, obviously, in the four counties, we've got an interesting combination because we've got small town, but then also we've got rural. So I think a lot of it depends on where you live um, and what your needs are, because some people are aging gracefully. They still need services and they still need help. But if you can get some meals in there and you can provide some transportation, you've got stability. But other situations where they can't get home care or they, you know, for instance, um, we have neighbors who had, um, it's a grandmother, but they had a little girl who is, you know, got some very serious disabilities and they're looking for nurses 24 seven, the system will pay for them, but they can't find nurses and nobody wants to work on the weekend. So these two parents, you know, the baby's now, I think she's seven, eight months old. They're exhausted you know, because they've known. So I think, again, it depends on the system. I always consider myself very blessed to live in Canada and very blessed to live in Northumberland County. I had a situation where I had to go to the emergency a few weeks ago and I, I was in and out of there very quickly and I was amazed. So again, you know, there's a lot of news right now that says, you know, the system is breaking, we've got um, a shortage of care, you know, the government has just said they're going to, um, you know, help us bring more people into Canada to support, you know, people, but a lot of families are going to have to step up, unfortunately. Um, you know, and it may be that my dream of sailing around the world, um, <laughs> you know, in my retirement isn't going to happen because I may have to care for someone. But, you know, that's life. You mentioned earlier, and I'd like to come back to it now, is the Canadian Abilities Foundation. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, Canadian Abilities Foundation is 40-plus-year-old charity. It was started by a gentleman by the name of Ray Cohen, who was one of the early disability and accessibility and inclusion advocates way back when. And he came to me after I had started Canada Cares, and he was not well, and he said, um, can you help me out? Um, you know, the foundation needs help. I'm not well. And so gradually what happened is we worked out an agreement where I, Canada Cares had money actually. So we had done very well with our fundraising. And so we ended up merging. They had the charity license. We had the money. And so now we have a number of programs. Um, for instance, we're in the process of um, trying to map Northumberland for accessibility. So we have a, a map that's a worldwide map that we're actually putting Northumberland onto and, and the counties to let people know what's accessible. 
we publish Abilities Magazine, which is available free of charge. People can request it by just sending us an email. Um, and it's available in print, but only by subscription, unfortunately, because of cost these days. Um, so we publish, we, we create awareness for accessible places. We have the Canada Cares Awards and also we have internships. So what we do is we try to encourage young students, whether they're in high school, just needing their community service hours or their youngsters with disabilities who want to get some work experience um, to, to learn about what we do and learn about, you know, how they can make a difference as they move through their careers. So, um, you know, we're kind of multifaceted. We're run by a board of fabulous people who give their time and effort. And, uh, you know, as I say, we're, we're growing and continuing, but we made the decision to move to Northumberland. Um, and I'm happy about that. Tell us more about that decision. Well, um, it's me. <laughs> um, I uh, I own a house here in Northumberland. And uh, basically, uh, my family decided that my husband passed away last year. And we decided that we were, as a group, going to move to the lake. And uh, my daughter's going to raise her family here. So at that point, I moved the, I talked to the board and said, you know, do you mind? And they said, no, just go ahead. You know, where you are, we are, and we're happy with that. And for us also, it gave me a chance to bring some new talent, you know, with people like Ashley who knew the community. And I saw that there was a need here in the community. And sometimes you can do more in a community, you know, Toronto's a big place. And so I think we'll be able to have a bit more impact in, uh, in Coburg specifically, and then continue our national work from here. And we've had great support. Ashley, I, I'd like to bring you into the conversation and, and ask you, what are you aware of in terms of caregiving taking place in Northumberland? Well, one thing I really do like is um, the the mapping service that we have, because I think it's really important, and especially for caregivers as well, because depending on um, what type of care is you know being provided, it's good to know what type of businesses and you know just public spaces um what their accessibility is like and um that's why i again i like the the mapping component a lot and i'm trying to get some of our you know placement students to work on this as well is just um yeah looking at businesses and while you know infrastructure is important like having ramps and accessible washrooms there's also things that can go beyond that um, and which we like to focus on as well. So something that's happening uh, around is um, some retail and grocery stores have started like sensory friendly shopping. So that's because like 64% of people with autism like avoid going shopping because it can be very triggering for them. But um, I have yet to see um, any kind of retail or grocery stores around here doing it. I know they have senior friendly hours, which is also very important because just it's just a calming and more relaxed environment to shop. But with sensory friendly shopping, it's just like parents with their children or adults um, who have autism are able to shop in environments that are not as triggering for them. So there's typically less people, maybe less lighting, less noise or other distractions. So it's just a more welcoming or comfortable environment. And I think that's really important in an inclusivity prospect. Um, and I would like to see more of that in Northumberland County. And also just things like um, it's important for restaurants to have accessible menus. So, for example, like sometimes um, physical menus can be difficult, but if the restaurant has their menu online, 
and presented or uploaded in a way that's um, readable by screen readers, then that helps people who are visually impaired um, able to access that restaurant or order from their menu. And just things also to keep in mind structurally are like um, patios or when there's road closure events or sidewalk events, just making sure that mobility access is available. And, um, and you know, those types of events are following the accessibility guidelines and other things too are, again, very simple. It's just having signs that are in large print and when there's instructions or documents that are being put out by, you know, it can be businesses or even like local governments or um, community advocacy spaces, just making sure that um, instructions or their documents are written in a clear and accessible language. So th those are the type of things that um, I think are important and are good, um, you know, to follow up on or work on just to make sure that like the whole thing is just to make things as easy as easily as possible to navigate. It's about customer service. It really is. I mean, if you think about it, that's really all it is. It's about thinking about your customer, right? And I was a customer with my three daughters, with my husband and my mother. So I'm not going to go anywhere if I can't get my mother into that, that facility or if those people are not, you know, consumer friendly. So I think businesses have started to realize that this is just a good, it, it makes good business sense if you want to keep that business. And, you know, we've got a huge number of uh, older adults in our, uh, in our community these days, right? I mean, I'm looking around and going, wow, you know, this is a place where people can really thrive, but we need to just put a few extra things in place. Both of you have referenced this mapping project. Could you just, Caroline, uh, give me a, a brief description of how it works sure. and what's going on? Yeah. So um, a few years ago, um, the Canadian Abilities Foundation made an arrangement with Wheelmap. Wheelmap is a German organization that um, is a social enterprise that um, set about mapping the world for accessibility. And so if you go online and look at Wheelmap, what you can do is say, I'd like to go to London. And people in London have actually taken the volunteer time and actually mapped. So you'll be able to check if you want to go to a restaurant, assuming it's mapped, you'll be able to know, you know, is it is it first of all accessible from a wheelchair and mobility perspective? You know, where are the bathrooms? Is it customer friendly for someone who has hearing loss or vision loss? So they've done a lot of that work. And so we looked at that and said, there's no point in us paying for software in Canada and redeveloping the whole thing. These guys are best in class. And so now we'll map on, we call it Strut in Canada, um, but basically you go on the map and you can uh, find out what you need. And the next step is to Wayfind. So their software is working on that to say, I want to go from the Coburg Town Hall out to the mall show me the places that are accessible on the way, you know, is live, does the library have an accessible bathroom? How, which door do I go in? Can you imagine it's snowing and you're trying to find the accessible door, right? Not, not good. So um, we're looking at things like that. And you see sooner or later, this should all be on the Google map. There's no way that we want to, I'd love to give them the data. So would Wheelmap to say, hey, you know what? This is the same as Waze. It's the same as everything. It's just part of what you can look up in that software because we don't want two worlds. 
We want a world that's inclusive for everybody. And that means me when I'm going to a patio or me when I'm, you know, taking a friend who uses a wheelchair. So um, you don't need all these systems, but someone has to do the groundwork and that's what's being done right now. But it, I would say in 10 years, this will be much more commonplace because our legislation will be in place. New buildings will be, you know, automatically people will have thought about that. And some of the grandfathering that's happening now, hopefully will have, uh, you know, we'll figured out good solutions. I mean, London is very accessible and it's the oldest city and, you know, or one of the oldest cities, but it's just that people have thought about it and they've built things in and they've added things and it works. Can you tell me about the book you wrote? I did. Yes, I've written two books. It's sort of the same thing, but it's about it's about caregiving. Um, and again, it came from my personal experience. Um, I wrote it. It's kind of a nice story as well. I wrote it one Christmas with my daughter, who's an MBA, and two of her friends who were visiting. And I just ran from room to room and gave them ideas, and they helped me write it. But it's really all about providing a bit of a roadmap that says, you know, no two cases are the same, but here's the, the kind of things that you're going to end up facing, whether it's financial, whether it's home care, whether it's driving, whether it's like, there's a whole list of things. Um, and I think what's important is that, you know, you, we get people thinking about it before it happens. Most families haven't had that chat, you know, and I remember trying to have that chat with my father and there was just no way. You know, he didn't want to talk about what was going to happen when his ALS progressed. I mean, you know, we should have had the talk right with the diagnosis, but that just wasn't going to happen. And so how can families have those conversations? And also, what preferences do you have? You know, if I say to you, if you get a little older, do, do you want to go into a nursing home? Would you like to live independently at home? What are what are your thoughts? Do you want someone to bring you food in every day? Or would you rather have frozen dinners? Like, who knows, right? We all make a lot of choices. But the more personalized care can be, or support, if you want to call it that, the happier we're going to be. The less disruption we have, the easier it will be for us to age in place. So that was what the book was about. The book was about trying to help people know, you know, what to expect and then to be able to look up some of the things. And so I published a magazine as well that's called Caregiver Solutions. And it's the same thing. It's all about sharing and providing as much information as possible so that you can plug in and out where you want to. What is the Make Me Smile and what is the One Wish Award? Okay, so the One Wish Award is the $10,000 that comes with the Canada Cares. So it's the Canada Cares Award with One Wish. And that's the substantial amount of money that we continue to give away. The Make Me Smile came out of um, a kind of interesting situation because when we went out to ask people to give us donations, you know, we're constantly raising money. And, you know, that's, that's the work of a charity. Um, people would say, well, I don't have any money, but I've got this, you know, and we'd go, oh, okay, what can we do with that? To the point where Weedabix actually gave us boxes of Weedabix one year. And we kind of went, okay. But you know what? We gave them out to families and it made them smile. So we've had everything from personal care items where someone has said, you know, I've got five boxes of leftover depends. We're changing the packaging. Um, this box got damaged on the way. So we've taken a number of things and just said, who would need them? And it's amazing. People will, will come and take them.
You know, they'll come and use them. They'll pass them on. They'll say, you know, one of the summer students said to me, oh, my grandfather would really be able to use those, you know, those depends you've got on the shelf. What are you doing with them? I said, take them, please go give them to them. So those are the kinds of things. So it's just a simple way of, of sort of packaging that to say when we go out and look for things, sometimes they're for our fundraisers, but in general, they're to help people. Ashley, if there is one message you want people to take away from this interview, what would it be? It would just be, um, you know, pay attention to the caregivers in our community. That's really important. And just what I said about being more inclusive just in your general life, making sure like it's very important to me and I think it should be important to the community to make everything accessible to everybody as what Caroline was saying too, just in 10 years, hopefully it's not, you know, it's just happens. It's not something you have to think about and plan. It's just a given. Caroline, if someone is listening and they may think they know someone who might deserve a Canada Cares Award, what should they do? On our um, on our website, um, they can they can go to um, our our website, which is the Canadian Abilities Foundation, I believe. ca. You know, I'm actually forgetting what it is. We have a few websites, um, but uh, the nomination forms are all there. They can call our office. Um, there's a number of things we can probably we should probably give that information to you separately. Caroline Tap McDougall, Ashley Bowman, I want to thank you both for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. That was Caroline Tap McDougall, Executive Director of the Canadian Abilities Foundation and founder of Canada Cares, and Ashley Bowman, Marketing Director for Canada Cares Awards. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.